Girlfriends, episode number 54, Teaching Children About God's Love with Eileen Kunis. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week we're talking about retreats for women, Google Hangouts, Brussels sprouts, and ways to teach your children about Jesus in the Eucharist. Here we go. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm real glad you're here. I hope your week is going well. I hope you had a great weekend and you're taking on the week with vim and vigor. I'm sick. (laughs) but it's not so bad. Uh, Danny had a really pretty bad cold all of last week, and I thought I got away with not getting it, but I was up early this morning. I'm recording this on Sunday with kind of the sniffles, kind of that achy, yucky fever feeling, and so I've been drinking broth all day. I'm now recording this sitting in the parking lot at a nearby grocery store while my son Stephen is in confirmation class. This is actually my second time recording this segment you know, try as I might, I will never be an expert at this whole garage band thing, at this whole recording thing. I'm just not good at that. And I accidentally lose files, apparently. I don't know. I just recorded like 10 minutes here. And when I went back to check it, it was not there. The file was there, but there was nothing in it. I don't know. Anyway, it probably was there and I just couldn't see it. And I'm re-recording this all for nothing. But anyway, I prefer to think it's the Holy Spirit because probably I said something heretical in those 10 minutes and I'm getting a second chance. (laughs) Regardless, um, I wanted to connect with you about uh, my retreat. Uh, First of all, I want to share with you, I, I told you a few weeks ago when we were talking about New Year's resolutions that one of my personal resolutions, although I'm not calling it a resolution, but it is a goal that I have set for myself for this year, is working on my retreat, which is based on themes in my book, You're Worth It. Um, and the whole book, if you haven't checked it out, you can um, check out the link to Amazon in the show notes, daniellebean.com, or click the books tab at daniellebean.com. You know, you can't get away from it. I will show you my book. Uh, but the whole theme of the book is about Jesus's unique love for women and what we can learn from gospel stories about women, real life women that Jesus interacted with on the earth, like flesh and blood. I am fascinated by the fact that this took place. And I love thinking about these women and what their interactions with Jesus can teach us about the ways in which he loves us as women in particular. So um, in the book, I go through different themes, looking at some of the different gospel stories that involve women and what we can learn from them. And I do the same in the retreat. I've I've worked hard to kind of design this retreat to reflect the themes in the book, but just not be, you know, just a, a ready-made copy of the book. Um, so the way this retreat works is I have designed it the way that I want a retreat to be. So what that means is it's short. I I can't at this stage of my life, I mean, I guess I could if it was really necessary, be, you know, away on retreat for like two nights, three nights or whatever. That just is a great luxury. I, you know, at some point in my life, I'd love to be able to do that again. It's just not what I feel that I'm supposed to be using my time on these days. But to get away for an afternoon, is an excellent idea and to get together with other women for just a chunk of time. And so I've designed this retreat to be kind of flexible within four to five hours. And um, basically I go through like four different sessions, pulling themes from the book, looking at stories from the book. And, and, you know, 
so it's it's very doable inside of a day, inside of an afternoon. Uh, I've got it uh, booked at a number of places now, and some some places are planning it as like partly in the morning, a break for lunch, and then partly in the afternoon. Some are planning it all on a Saturday morning. Some are planning it all on a Saturday afternoon, leading up to you know evening mass on Saturday at a parish. It's really very flexible that way. Um, so I, I've designed it purposely to be flexible in that way, and so first of all, it's short. And it's it's doable. It's like bite size and with some real practical impact that you can take away, not just inspiration. But also I've made it flexible inside of the retreat itself because, you know what, I need different things when I'm going to go and spend time away, whether it's at adoration or at a retreat or at some sort of spiritual formation or going to a talk or whatever it is. I know at different points in my life when I've gone to like a conference, for example, I have gone there craving social interaction, craving the opportunity to talk with other women, share my faith, my own experiences with other women, learn from their their questions and their sharing and their experiences. There have been times when I've really needed that and I haven't had enough of that in my life. So I've incorporated some of that in this retreat, but not in a mandatory way. Um, I, I have the, the different sessions broken up where there's some presentation, some sharing, some time for reflection, but then there's an opportunity to choose whether you're going to engage in discussion with some other women about some of the topics we've talked about or go to a different place that's quiet, whether it's adoration or just a different prayer space and spend some time in quiet reflection. Because as much as I've craved that interaction at some times in my life, other times there hasn't been enough quiet. There hasn't been enough time for reflection or quiet prayer. And sometimes I, I love to take take in a talk or take in a reading and then just really go and kind of process it by myself or, you know, just talk to Jesus about it in my heart or, you know, just spend some time with the Blessed Sacrament uh, processing what, you know, has been presented to me. So I've designed the retreat to be flexible in that way. So there's opportunity for interaction if that's what you're choosing. And there's opportunity for quiet reflection and prayer if that's what you're needing. So like I said, I designed it for what I want. And um, just to give you an idea, I've broken it up into four different sessions. In the first one, we look at the gospel story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, and what we can learn about the ways in which God seeks us out, the ways in which God longs for an intimate relationship with us, and he doesn't let things like social barriers or labels we might put on ourselves or other obstacles we might put in his path, he doesn't let that get in his way. He finds us, he gets to us, he puts himself in to our lives. He wants to have that relationship with us. He wants to connect with us. So we look at the the Samaritan woman at the well and what we can learn from her about that. In the second session, um, I'm looking at the gospel story of the woman with the hemorrhage and what we can learn about the ways in which God fully loves us, fully embraces our feminine nature, and knows that it is good. And sometimes um, the, the ways in which our faith might be tested. I think it's important to reflect on that. And that story really just goes so deeply into that. Um, you know, I'm not a biblical scholar at all, but I love the opportunity to read the gospel stories and share with other women about what I see as the meaning in those interactions that Jesus has with real life women. I find it fascinating that Jesus walked the earth flesh and blood and and touched women and talked to them and asked them questions and challenged them and healed them and forgave their sins. I find that so fascinating. I love to think about it. And I love to think about the particular interactions he had with the women, like the woman at the well and the woman with the hemorrhage. 
Then in the third session, we look at the gospel story of the woman caught in adultery, and we talk about the ways in which we need to be forgiven, the ways in which we need to seek forgiveness, the ways in which we sometimes don't feel worthy of forgiveness, and so we avoid things like the sacraments. So that's what we look at in that third session. And in the fourth one, we look at the gospel story of the woman who anointed Jesus's head with oil. We talk about the feminine gift of hospitality, the ways in which women are uniquely gifted to recognize Christ, to recognize Jesus, and to bring him to others. I think it's so empowering to read that story and reflect on that. So this entire retreat is set up based on various stories of the gospel involving women, just like my book is. So um, if anyone of you listening is interested in possibly having this retreat at your parish, um, I've had some women who've set it up through their parish. I've had some women who do it through their diocese. I've had some women just get together with other women and figure out a way to host it, you know, at a community center or um, whatever, at you know, or in somebody's home. And, you know, there there have been various group sizes who've booked this retreat. And like I said, I'm booking this retreat right now um, through, I'm pretty well booked through the spring at this point. There are a couple of dates here and there. If you're interested um, and you want to, maybe you're dying to get a Lenten retreat in your community, we could see if we could work it out. But right now I'm pretty well booked um, up until the late spring, like, you know, second week of May, my schedule starts to open up a bit. So if you're interested in finding out more about it, finding out about bringing this retreat to your community, your parish, you can go to daniellebean.com forward slash retreat and get more information. There's a form there you can fill out. And um, just so you can know, if you're interested and you're not sure about the themes, if you're not sure about what my style would be like or um, what, what the basic idea of the retreat might be, I invite you to check out my book. And if you are seriously considering bringing this retreat to your parish or your community and you really you want to know, I will send you a complimentary copy of my book. So you can do that by going to daniellebean.com forward slash retreat, fill out that form and let's get connected. And I will be happy to send you a free copy of my book so that you can check out all the details. Everything that I talk about there is really, it's not going to be a carbon copy in the retreat. It's going to be building on those themes and interacting and discussing on those themes. So As you can tell, I'm excited about this project and I'm excited about bringing it to women. I'm excited about connecting with women through this very doable, flexible kind of retreat that I think so many women need today. So for all the details, go to daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. I would love to be able to work with you. Okay, I also wanted to talk to you about Google Hangouts. This is something I'm also excited about. I'm excited about connecting with you all in a new way, um, talking about connecting on Google Hangouts, which I haven't done before. Um, so I'm experimenting with this. I'm planning to once a month have a Google Hangout. I'm not sure if I'm going to have a set topic, set theme. Probably I will for each of the Hangouts. Um, but if you're not familiar, there's um, through Google Hangouts, you could participate. If you were a participant in a Google Hangout and I was presenting, you would see my video and hear my audio, um, but you could participate as, as much or as little as you wanted. You could ask questions, then you can interact with me, you can um, add your own comments, or you could just observe. You know, uh, I know I've participated in webinars and other things like that where I don't really want to be interacting with the person, but I want to kind of take in the information and, and see what they're offering. So, um, I like I said, I haven't done this before, so it's going to be a little bit of experimentation to see what works best, um, but I'm starting out, I'm going to plan to do Uh, my first Google Hangout within the next two weeks here. Um, So the way you can participate in that is I'm kind of limiting the number of people who will be participating in it by only opening it up to people who support this podcast through Patreon. 
first of all, I really want it to be connecting with people who are listening to this podcast because a lot of the topics I think I will draw from the podcast and hopefully get some, you know, interaction. That's part of the problem with the podcast. As much as I love doing it and I, you know, I love getting feedback by email and stuff, I feel like it could be more efficient. It could be we're talking about a topic and you're, you're directly responding to me and I'm responding to you in, in that media. So, I think Google Hangouts will be a cool way to do that. Um, I'm not committed to sticking with Google for it. I don't know if you have an idea for a different tool that might work better. Uh, like I said, it's going to be kind of experimentation. But the way that you can participate, the way you can get an invitation to participate is by supporting the Girlfriends Podcast on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash girlfriends and make a pledge in any amount. It can be as little as a dollar per episode. Doesn't matter. I don't care. Show that level of commitment and you will get an invite to the monthly Google Hangouts. I'm pretty excited about doing this, so I'm hopeful that you will be too and that you'll be wanting to participate. Again, the way you can get all the information uh, about sponsoring the podcast through Patreon, you go to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. All the details will be right there. Okay, this week, I am not going to be going deep in any one particular topic on my own because we have a guest this week. I'm pretty excited about this. I'm happy to be sharing with you my friend Eileen Kunis, who is um, launching a book, a pretty exciting project that she's worked on. She's a wonderful artist and a friend that I know in real life, so I'm pretty happy for her with this accomplishment, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Like I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, I'm kind of switching up the podcast and the ways that I'm doing interviews just to make it doable and manageable with my other duties and responsibilities every week. I kind of found it hard to be producing the podcast, talking about a topic and going, you know, getting an interview booked and interviewed every every week, you know, recorded. So I'm experimenting with doing interviews less often. And I'm kind of excited about this and happy with the change. As much as I loved having a set group of questions all through all of last year, and I loved hearing all of the different responses that women gave, I kind of was feeling like it was getting old. It was getting a little bit tired. So I'm glad to switch it up. And I find that this is a good opportunity for me to go a little bit deeper with my guests, not feel like I have to cram it into like 20 minutes or so. We have a little bit more time to play with where we can go a little bit deeper in topics that, you know, talking about things that are really on their hearts and um, sharing about their their projects and things that they're excited about. So I think this will be a nice, fresh change. And like I said, I'm not doing the interviews every week. I happen to already have an interview for next week. So next week's show is also going to be an interview just because the timing works out for um, something in particular that that guest is promoting right now. So I want to be able to get it in. But generally, I'm thinking the interviews um, with the podcast will, will average probably about once a month. I'll have an interview and the other podcasts each month will probably just be topic driven. So anyway, that's my experiment right now. You can give me your feedback. I would love to know um, what you like, don't like about what I'm switching up here. You can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com. You can leave me a voicemail on Voxer. You know I love that. So you can get the Voxer connection um, in the show notes at daniellebean.com for this episode or any episode. You can also go to daniellebean.com and leave um, voicemail there by clicking that little tab on the right-hand side of the screen that says leave voicemail. Could not be easier. But I'm always happy to hear from you on social media and whatnot. Anyway, without putting it off any further, I'm excited to share my conversation with Eileen with you. So here she is. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello, everyone. 
I am thrilled to have a special guest joining us on the show today. My friend and newly published author, Eileen Kunis, is here with us. Eileen is a wife, a mother, and a grandmother living in central New Hampshire, who's been a part of Holy Trinity Parish since her conversion to the faith in 1994. She has been drawing and painting since she can remember, doing illustrations, making banners, writing icons, and more for her parish, family, and far-reaching friends. Eileen has a BA in English from Dartmouth College and her master's in theology from Holy Apostles College and Seminary. Hi, Eileen. Welcome. I'm so thrilled you're here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, okay, so we, we know each other IRL, and um, I I want to share with listeners that um, <laughs> your husband has been my kid's pediatrician for a long time before he had the nerve to retire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, the guy. <laughs> so, shout out to Dr. Kunis, and I'm... Oh. I'm thrilled with your latest project, which is kind of the impetus for getting you on the show here. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a new book that's just newly released for children, uh, but I think it's for grown-ups too, because I thoroughly enjoyed going through this, um, oh, called Jesus is With Us Always, the Story of the Eucharist. Now, so the book is designed to encourage ch- children to meet Jesus and have a, a greater, deeper understanding of, of Jesus in the Eucharist. And so how, how did you come to that, Eileen? I know maybe you could talk a little bit about your own conversion story, your own meeting of Jesus. Great. Uh, well, this goes way back um, to when I first went to college. I went to Dartmouth in, I hate to tell you, 1974, <laughs> um, which actually was kind of in the um, movement, if you remember that, um, back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, or you remember reading about it anyway. Um, I grew up in a pretty nominal uh, Protestant household. And, and although we did go to church some, I never really knew about um, a personal relationship with Jesus. And, and even the whole concept of um, salvation was pretty vague to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time I went to college, um, I had a real desire to be an artist Mm -hmm. and to know the truth, which was a very vague concept uh, to me at the time. Um, And I really believed that seeking beauty uh, would lead me to the truth. Mm -hmm. And I, I did believe that there was some kind of truth, although um, I had no idea that it was found in Christianity. Was there at school in my first year. Um, I was pretty heavily evangelized by some of the Christians on campus who had a very active Christian fellowship. And uh, to make the long story short, um, in the midst of that first year of college when I was very lonely and <clears throat> was became disappointed in my relationships with my friends and uh, my own progress in school and uh, a a real emptiness inside led me to say that prayer, Jesus, if you're really there, please help me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like I said, I, I really had not any inkling that Jesus really was real, but um, his name had been repeated to me so often by these very, um, that I I gave him a try and I had a wonderful, blessed 
experience of his presence in my life. Um, He answered me immediately with an incredible sense of peace and comfort and reality. And from that point on, though it took me at least a year to feel that I could grasp at all um, the biblical story of salvation, Mm -hmm. Um, even the idea that I had been a sinner, that I needed forgiveness, that I needed reconciliation, um, that Christ had done something about it for me. Um, Those things, it took a long time for me to understand or accept those things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remained that Jesus was real and was um, from that spiritual give me. So that was the beginning of my Christian faith. And in those years then at at Dartmouth, um, within that Christian fellowship group, which was um, non-denominational, very charismatic, um, very, you know, full of young people, full of joy and excitement and uh, a lot of zeal to know Christ and follow him. Mm -hmm. I learned um, to read the Bible and to study it. I learned to uh, fellowship and and love and work with my brothers and sisters in Christ and really developed that that zeal to always reach deeper and and know him better and better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where David and I met. Mm -hmm. David had uh, grown up in a Catholic faith but had sort of wandered away. This, again, is the early 70s. And two, and had not been blessed with a lot of sound catechesis. Sure, there was a lot of wandering in the 70s. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But he too found that personal relationship with Christ in that Christian fellowship. Mm -hmm. And that's where we met and we married. And our married life has always been uh, based on Jesus and wanting to know him better. Mm-hmm. and wanting to do his will. And for, gosh, the next 15 years or something, even more, um, we were we lived in a few different places. We were involved in a few different um, Protestant churches or fellowship groups. Um, and always with that emphasis on knowing Christ, uh, learning to hear him better, learning to know the scripture better and uh, learning to, um, our children came along. We have three kids. Um, and then in the early nineties, um, uh, kind of a buildup of our experience, we began to hunger, I guess, continue that hunger for, for more understanding. Um, you know, Augustine and, and Anselm and the other uh, fathers of the church talk about that faith-seeking understanding. Right. And we, we were beginning to come up dry with um, the resources we had as Protestants. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had read all of C.S. Lewis that we could. <laughs> <laughs> who's, uh, who's the most Catholic Protestant author you'll ever read. <laughs> oh, and, and you know, Catholics love him too. I know we do. He's the um, best. Wonderful, wonderful inspiration who then, you know, led me to like try and read Chesterton. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, and also begin to question uh, in um, the churches we were in. And, and we had been in a few different situations where there were uh, breakups and divisions in these little churches and, and you know, some group would split off and decide they were going to quote unquote, start a new church. Um, and we began to see that this process of dividing and restarting just seemed to go on over and over again. Mm-hmm. And people were reinventing the wheel, kind of always searching for what's the right way to have a church, mm-hmm. um, which caused us to once again, look at the Catholic church, um, which seemed to have been able to stick around for an awfully long time. <laughs> a little bit of a history there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also at the same, you know, Lord, the Lord brought together many wonderful things that we were, for instance, invited to a wedding um, daughter of some Catholic friends mm-hmm. and experienced Catholic, you know, wedding liturgy blew us away. It was so beautiful and everything in it was so right, you know, from our experience of uh, Christ in our hearts and from our knowledge of the scripture. Um, it's, it was these Catholics were doing it right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the whole, even just the concept of what marriage was, right. um, was so beautiful to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a few different experiences like that. We also had um, our sister-in-law, who knew that we were searching would give us a few books now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, one she gave us was um, Evangelical is Not Enough by Thomas Howard. Okay. Um, he actually wrote this after he uh, converted from, I'm not sure what Protestant denomination he was in, perhaps Presbyterian. He became an Anglican, uh-huh. um, largely on account of the liturgy. Um, a liturgy that was grounded in from the very beginning, you know. Right. And, was, and um, he eventually did become a Catholic and has become a wonderful Catholic apologist. Um, but that book helped me understand what the concept of a liturgy is, even. Right. Um, and then uh, we also received a Peter Kraft wonderful book called The Fundamentals of the Faith. Oh, yes. Great book. And um, I devoured that book from the beginning to the end, um, where he lays out very basic principles of Catholicism. He goes through the Apostles' Creed, and he goes through um, the Our Father. But at the very end, he has a chapter on what um, the church believes about itself. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in that chapter, he says, uh, the Catholic Church believes that she is the church started by, and when I read that line, I, I can remember sitting in bed before, you know, going to sleep, reading this, and it knocked me over. I, Wait, I, I Eileen, can my, you just repeat the line? Because I think there was a little glitch in the, oh, um, in the sure. Skype there. Yes, the line was, um, the church believes that she is the church begun by Jesus. Yes. And Immediately, I thought, well, if that's true, that's where we got to go. <laughs> there was no question about no it. No brainer, yeah. The, yeah, Jesus started this church. What am I doing 
you know, wandering around anywhere else. Um, and I turned to David and I fed him this line and said, well, what are we going to do about it? So we, <laughs> so we, <laughs> we decided to go to mass, um, right here at Plymouth in, um, I think we went to mass the next Sunday and I, when we stood up to recite or read at that point for me, the Nicene Creed, mm -hmm. I remember just weeping through the entire creed Aww. because it was what I believe. It, wow. it said it all. It said everything, you know, every step of the Nicene Creed. I wasn't too sure about the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't A sticking it, point for some. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what it meant. I sure. Sure. But, um, but at, we recited the whole Nicene Creed and that, that was it. I, yeah. we knew that, um, this was home. That's so. beautiful. That is so beautiful. I mean, I got tears in my eyes when you're describing that because <laughs> I think, so. you know, being a cradle Catholic myself, I get so much from stories like yours, Eileen, mm -hmm. because, um, you see the church with this fresh perspective. And, you know, so often I see people who convert and they'll come into the church and be talking to the everyday Catholics who've been doing this all their lives. Like, Hey, do you know this? Do you know this is right here? Like, how come you're not excited? You know? And, yes. and they're right. We should be excited. <laughs> you know? So I think that converts are such a gift to the church and stories like yours are such a gift to us all because it's like, wake up, look at mm -hmm. this gift you've been given. Look what you're, you're taking for granted every single day, every Sunday sitting in the pew. Look what you're taking for granted in the Eucharist, mm -hmm. you know, which brings us back to your book um, mm -hmm. that, that tell, tell us, you know, um, so now you've shared a little bit about your background and your faith formation and what brought you into the church and where you were. Um, what was the, what, what's stirred within you to um, write this book and to illustrate this book so beautifully? Oh, thank you. Um, well, let's see in around 2002, 2003, I, I went on, um, uh, in theology, um, starting in the late nineties. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a, um, it was a sort of a groundbreaking at the time, um, program that I could do online mm -hmm. and, um, with Holy Apostles College and Seminary. And, um, as I was finishing that program in the early two thousands, I did my master's thesis on, um, the vocation of the Catholic artist. Mm -hmm. And the the research and the work and and just the you know the thought time taken in working on that um, that thesis was was wonderful for me um, in so many ways. But in part, by the time I finished it, I felt very certain that my the next part of my life, because at this point my kids were pretty much all out of school yeah. or in college. Um, my daughter was married. And starting a family. I was looking for my next step in life. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew that it was my calling was to two different areas. One was the pro-life movement, mm -hmm. and one was to pursue art, um, you know, for the glory of God. Right. Um, also in that time, I did, um, and this is when your husband Dan was working as our religious education oh. director. Oh yeah. 
Good old yeah. days. The good old yeah. days. <laughs> Those days. Well, he asked me to teach the first communion class for one year. Okay. And um, he was such an encouragement. He, he, you know, he cheered me on and said, you know, uh, encouraged me to really go forward it because I had not done that before. Sure. Um, and in that year of, of teaching that class and trying to find materials for that class, I felt that there was a real lack in uh, uh, especially for first communion but for all um different areas of you know raising your kids in the faith sure. so um ha- having taught that class i then started to write the book wow so this is you know this book goes back for quite yeah because that was a long time ago that dan was dre over there um yeah i think it was maybe 2002 something that sounds about right yeah yeah um yeah, so the book actually, I when I finished it, say two thousand five or six, um, I did I uh, put together a uh, you know rough copy with just black and white drawings. I sent it around to a few publishers, and you know never got anywhere. It didn't get published. Mm-hmm. However, our um, the following teachers who came after me in teaching that first communion class used a Xerox copy of with just these black and white drawings to teach First Communion. Yeah. Yeah. So they used that book for 10 years. Um, And and that's two or three different people were teaching the class and they passed the book on and they would use the book in class. And then a couple years ago, one of the teachers came to me and asked, um, Eileen, could you could you get us some more copies somehow because um, we want to give it to our students and some of the parents have been asking for it over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and which my family took as, you know, divine inspiration and they <laughs> encouraged me <laughs> to look into it. And I discovered yeah. uh, that the self-publishing has come to such a point, just a wonderful um technological advances that yes. basically I can self um, it used 10 years ago to self-publish especially a children's picture book sure. was a big financial investment um, mm-hmm. but now you can basically do all your work and upload it um, for no cost and the book is printed on demand yeah yeah uh, which I is, love that option yeah just wonderful. So, um, and just so listeners know, it is, I mean, it's a beautiful quality book, you know, holding it in your hands and, um, really just the, the artwork is just a, a beautiful experience. Cause I know that matters to a lot of people with children's mm-hmm. books that it's not, um, there, there's nothing low quality about it or, or that kind of feeling at all. It's really a beautiful experience. Mm, that's yeah. I'm, I'm so thankful. And, and also what happened is going back after 10 years and redoing all the illustrations, mm-hmm. um, I, I could see how in that time my own skills have improved quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And my – even I – so to go back to it and be able to, you know, do some rewriting, do some corrections, and then re-envision the pictures, um, I – 
felt like I was able to do so much better with it now than I had originally done. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, beautiful. I mean, you can get if if listeners go um, on Amazon, and we'll we'll put a link in the show notes for that. Um, you can you can see some of the artwork there. But really, I, I feel like you need to hold the book in your hands and go through it with a child to fully uh, fully appreciate it. It's really a beautiful job that you've done, Eileen. Oh, thank you so much. You can also see a few more of the illustrations on my website. Oh, wonderful! Which so- is EileenCunis.com. Wonderful. And we'll put that link in the show notes as well. But um, just in case you don't end up going to the show notes, it's Eileen, E-I-L-E-E-N, Cunis, C-U-N-I-S dot com. So check that out. Beautiful. Okay, well, talking about this book and teaching, you know, the story of the Eucharist to children and introducing children to a relationship with Jesus. I know I personally, as a parent, have felt like at times that it's a natural thing to do, but mm-hmm. other times I felt like it's a daunting task and I'm <laughs> overwhelmed by it. Like, oh no, God, you, you've given this to the wrong person. There's no way I can be the one to do this for my children. Um, so, so it's a great gift to have a book like this that can give parents and um, catechists confidence in approaching this topic with children. Mm-hmm. Um, but what words of encouragement might you offer to somebody who does feel that way? Like, this mm-hmm. is a huge thing. My child's relationship with God, I cannot be in charge of that. Oh, well, I, I guess the first thing I'd, I'd say is that you aren't in charge of it. <laughs> right, right. Important <laughs> that, to remember. Yes, that um, we depend so much on the graces of Christ, you know, so much on the Holy Spirit being present. And um, and I, you know, from personal experience, I can say that um, maybe times when um, you feel that you are failing, Mm-hmm. Um, there may be times when it, it, it just doesn't look like all your work is, is bearing fruit. Um, and how much faith we are called to have during those times and, and really trusting our children to the Lord, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess second of all, um, I just it, it encourage parents that your love for Jesus, you know, your love for the Eucharist um, is a communication in itself um, that we should never um, hide or downplay our own personal experience with Christ. You know, that I think our children should be aware of their their parents and and how important it is and how much that means Mm -hmm. to them. Right. I think that's a great point to make that sometimes we can get lost in, you know, trying to find the perfect book or the perfect program or the perfect, you know, video to use with our kids to get the point across. But I don't have to look any further than my own upbringing to know the power of example when Mm -hmm. it comes to a relationship with Jesus that, um, you know, my parents didn't have us because it was the 70s. <laughs> they, uh-huh. didn't, they didn't sign us up for religious ed at our local parish because uh. they said that's a bunch of bunk. But <laughs> at the same time, they didn't have some perfect program they instituted at home. Yeah, they had some, you know, textbooks they used, but um, some things they read to us and had us read and whatnot. But there's no perfect program they used. Mm. But I think the solid faith that they gave to each of us, and now there are nine of us, 
grown adult children all practicing the Catholic faith, which is almost unheard of, you know, from that generation, that there wasn't a magic formula. It was just who they were and who they encouraged us to be and the culture of our family life, just yes. the everyday life that, you know, our, the presence of, of Jesus in our home, we didn't have to be hit over the head with it. It was a natural everyday part of who we were and what we yes. did and part of our identity as, as Catholics, but also within our family. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember, you know, my dad, who's a, a college professor, and I was just so in awe of his intellect, and I, I admired him so much, but that man would get on his knees and and pray and had a beautiful devotion to Mary. And so that would speak volumes. And I think that's a great encouragement to parents of every stripe and of every background that you don't need some fancy tool. You need you. You need to be the gift of yourself and the example that you can set to your children. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that as parents with young children, the idea of continuing you study seem challenging or, or even impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, if you are continuing to deepen your own understanding, that also, I think, makes a big difference in how you can communicate to your children. I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah beautiful. And now, we mentioned in the bio that you're not just a mom. Now you're a grandmom. Yes. Uh, tell, tell us how your family's expanded. Um, well, our daughter, Erica, our oldest daughter, is now actually, uh, any day now, going to give birth to her fifth. Wow. Um, which is just beautiful, wonderful. Um, they live in uh, Hamden, Connecticut, and attend a wonderful parish, which is St. Mary's in New Haven, okay. Connecticut. Um, it's uh, the parish... Um, somewhat associated with Yale University, and it's run by the Dominican Fathers. Oh, beautiful. Um, and it, it is a beautiful, young, growing families, and Erica and her husband, Todd, have found a great community there. Um, so her oldest is now 11, Miriam. Mm-hmm. Um, Isabella is 8. Anna is six and Xavier is three. Wow. And now the the little one is Zelly. Oh, you already know. Yes. (laughs) Who is, who is, like I said, who is coming very, very soon. Well, that is beautiful. I love the names. They're perfect. And um, what's been your experience as a grandmother, as opposed to a mom with regard to um, bringing the faith to children and children to the faith? Has there been any difference there? Oh yeah, it is very different as a as a grandparent. Um, people tell you how great grandparenting is, uh, and in part because there isn't there isn't quite that pressure of you know like you spoke of before that that it's up to me, right? Me, uh, this is my job to make sure these these kids really know their faith. As, as a grandparent, I understand my role more as um, we're reinforcing. You know that we're we're reinforcing Erica and Todd, and we are um, just giving that extra boost. And and hopefully, the fact that um, we're older and we've been with the Lord, <laughs> you know, for a longer time. Sure. Um, Perhaps we have something that that seems, I think from a child's perspective, the grandparents can seem um, somewhat more uh, permanent or more um, 
more unchanging. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a delight to um, be free to share our faith with the grandkids and, and to see what a great job. And then to feel that we're simply, you know, backing them up and, and adding and deepening and, and, you know, stretching it out, hopefully. Um, it's, it's fun. That's great. I can't wait. Honestly, I I feel like there's been a dearth of babies in the last decade (laughs) and it's time to have some, but I'm not pressuring anybody. (laughs) That's why all in God's time. Um, but I, I love, I love that you share that unique perspective as a grandmother and, and something that I found even as a shift in my own perspective as a mom from Mm -hmm. when I was raising my, my oldest who, you know, poor guinea pigs that they were, you know, and inexperienced parents that they got, (laughs) but I had a much, a much more, um, relaxed approach, I would say in a good way with my Mm -hmm. youngest ones. And I, I continue to do that because life does teach you that, it's about the long term. It's about long term, you know, benefits of what you're doing and long term mm-hmm. results from the work that you're putting in. And I think it's hard to see that when you're young and especially when you're a new parent and you want to take on the world and you want to do everything just exactly right because, yeah. you know, and it's a good thing. I mean, that you want to do everything exactly right because mm-hmm. you value it so much. But um, I think it's been really helpful in me, um, you know, and I, I often think, gosh, what if I had stopped? you know, having mm-hmm. babies just like everybody told me to do at two or three. And I wouldn't have had this long-term effect later on in my motherhood. I wouldn't have experienced that. But I think that's what people do get to experience in mm-hmm. the grandmotherhood and yes. in what you just described, which is so beautiful. And what a beautiful mm-hmm. gift it is to have a grandma like that. Oh, it, well, it's a gift to me. Can I just share with you one thing that came to my mind? Sure. Um, when our kids were in high school, um, our, especially our daughter, Erica came upon a, um, a question, weren't exactly sure how to counsel her. Um, we have a dear friend, uh, father Dennis Billy, who is a redemptorist priest, Mm -hmm. um, who we knew in college before he even became a priest. Um, he's a brilliant, amazing man and um has written probably at least 30 books um dennis i apologize if i got that wrong but um, (laughs) he taught in rome at the um academy for uh redemptorists wow the seminary for redemptorist priests in rome for many years he's back in the states now for many years um He's taught at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in Philadelphia. Uh, anyway, he was visiting us, um, and we we asked him this question about the situation Erica was in in high school. Mm-hmm. And um, we felt that the answer was going to be a yes or no. You may do this or you may not do this. And, right. and Dennis, um, he said, I could see how good Catholic parents could answer either way. Wow. Um, he said, I can see a reason for allowing her to do this. I could see good reasons for not allowing her to do this. And he said, this is a situation where um, God, I think, can work in either direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that threw me aback because <laughs> I, I didn't know that God would leave us such things that 
Well, you can do go either way. Right, right. We found that to be incredible wisdom as parents um, that they're not every situation is going to be a clear cut wrong or right. There really are certain situations where um, you can have good reason as faith filled people to go either way and that and trusting that the Lord use use whichever direction you know to his glory and Mm -hmm. and for your child's benefit yeah Uh, I love that yeah another kind of monkey wrench into my thinking (laughs) (laughs) it's not yes or no it's not black or white we have free will and god can work with what we do i mean that's amazing Uh (laughs) but what consolation to hear that because the fear is you're going to pick the wrong thing you know (laughs) and Uh then and then you're devastated and lost forever and so is your child well that's actually not how god works so What a beautiful example (laughs) Father Dennis is giving all of us here at Girlfriends with his words of consolation we so desperately need. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, this has been such a pleasure, such a joy to hear your story, learn a little bit about what brought you to create this beautiful book, Eileen. Again, the name of the book is Jesus is With Us Always, the Story of the Eucharist. And I'll have it looked, hooked up, linked up at daniellebean.com in the show notes for this episode. But I just want to thank you, you know, for sharing so beautifully from your heart, Eileen, just this beautiful, you know, voyage that God has taken you on, this beautiful path that he's led you on and your openness to it. I mean, that's such, you have such a beautiful openness about you and the way that you share it so beautifully with all of us. And then it led you to create this beautiful tool so that we can continue to share the faith and share that witness of yours with our own children and grandchildren. So I want to thank you for that. God bless you. Oh, you're very welcome. And it was a real gift to me too, Danielle. I just love Eileen, and I want to thank her so much for taking the time to come on and share about her conversion and share from her heart about her project in her new book. So one thing that she mentioned after our interview that she was hoping I could share with all of you is that she is craving Amazon reviews. As I'm sure you can realize with a self-published author, it's important to get the word out. And one of the ways that you can do that is through collecting reviews on Amazon. I am reminding myself right now to get over there and do that for her. So check out the link in the show notes. Um, I'll have it at daniellebean.com for this episode. But the name of the book is Jesus is with us always the story of the Eucharist. Check it out. Leave some Amazon reviews. Be kind to my friend Eileen in gratitude for her having spent a little time with us here at Girlfriends and shared from her heart. And now I want to share with you a little feedback um, that I got from last week's show where, and I knew this would happen because people are crazy about Brussels sprouts. Um, I shared last week that I've been roasting vegetables frequently, but one I still can't bring myself to do is the Brussels sprouts. Well, I did hear from a number of people telling me how amazing Brussels sprouts are. Um, My friend Sasha shared a recipe with me and now this from listener Tracy. Hi, Danielle. Tracy from Central Florida. I also hated Brussels sprouts. Um, However, I eased into them with this yummy roasted recipe. Brussels sprouts, bacon, butter, and brown sugar. 
hardly even a vegetable at that point, but I made this a few times and was finally able to get away from the bacon and brown sugar and just use olive oil and salt. It's now a family favorite. Enjoy. Thank you, Tracy. And thank you, everybody who shared your encouragement to try out the beauty of Brussels sprouts. And I may get there. I mean, I feel like I would if I lived alone, but my family already thinks I'm kind of crazy, like with all the vegetable stuff I'm doing. I don't want to overwhelm them. I don't want to put them off. And I just think Brussels sprouts are a little bit scary. But I like that idea. Butter and bacon. I mean, what could possibly taste bad that way? Brown sugar? Forget about it. But, um, and, and I'm also encouraged, Tracy, by the fact that you shared that you were able to wean off of the sugar in there and just have olive oil and salt and that you're still enjoying it and that your family is. So we will get there, I think. We will at least try <laughs> in the coming weeks. I'm not making any promises, but right now I'm just easing my family into this, you know, trying to decrease sugar intake. It's an ongoing battle. Um, and it's something that I find we kind of go in cycles because over the holidays, of course, everybody, like, there's just tons of sugar, and I try to limit it. I try to control it. It always still gets out of control, particularly with the kids. So, um, but then Lent follows. This is why I love the seasons of the church, because it's actually healthy for our bodies to follow them. It's not good to fast all the time. You need to celebrate, and you need to enjoy food, and you need to gather together with family members and enjoy the holidays. And yeah, sugar can be a part of that, and some foods that are less nutritious can be a part of that. But then, we need Lent. So we've got a little ways to go before Lent. I think it's probably, it's over six weeks away, right? I think it starts March 1st this year. It's very, it's a very organized Lent, like beginning March 1st. And then Easter is like right at April 15th or 16th or something. It's just, it feels very orderly to me this year. Um, but anyway, when, when Lent comes around, I just find it's a much more natural kind of transition um, if it actually is Lent. But even in the winter months, it becomes more of a natural transition to move away from all that sugary, 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 sugariness that we've ingested um, over the holidays and kind of get my family out of that habit. It also helps when football season is over. Not that I want to mention football. I have no idea yet what's going to happen to the Steelers tonight. I guess by the time you hear this, their fate will have been decided. And my family will either be in celebration mode or in mourning for I don't know how long. Um, but anyway, but football season, like they want those snacks and they want soda and like, oh, you know. <laughs> and it's kind of part of the fun to, to get together with people and, and have football snacks and whatnot. Anyway, all of this to say, I appreciate the fact that the liturgical year kind of guides us through a process where there's a time for feasting and there's a time for fasting, and um, we're embracing that, Brussels sprouts and all. So I want to thank you for being here for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, if you find it encouraging and helpful in your day, Tell somebody about it. Share it on social media or leave a review at iTunes. All of these are very helpful ways to increase the number of people who can benefit from what we do here at Girlfriends. Another way you can show your support is to support this podcast over at Patreon. Whatever amount you're able to pledge, as little as a dollar an episode, will get you an invite to those monthly Google Hangouts. I'd love to have you join us for those. Or you can share on social media or even just in real life, tell your girlfriend that you enjoyed it or put it on Facebook or call a friend, let them know about it. I'd love for you to help me get the word out. I so appreciate it. And more than anything, I just appreciate that you show up here. It means the world to me that you take the time to spend with me 
every week sharing about topics that are near and dear to my heart. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth. Find your joy.